0: Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe.
1: And I'm Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. President Trump says the bitter cold weather is evidence against global warming and juvenile arrests in Florida are down. Details coming up in one minute.
0: So is it time to defund the United Nations? A lot more people on the right are calling for that. And we'll take your calls on that next.
1: 601 on News Radio 1025. People across the U.S. are dealing with nasty cold weather, and President Donald Trump is using that to take a swipe at global warming. Larry Spillman reports.
2: Trump tweeted about the winter storm that could pound the East Coast on New Year's Eve. He wrote, Perhaps we could use a little bit of that old global warming that our country, but not other countries, is going to pay trillions of dollars to protect against. Trump has been outspoken on social media about climate change reports in the past, calling it a scam, but refrain from mentioning it during his first year as president until now. Larry Spillman, News Radio 1025
1: WFLA. Forecasters have calculated that New Year's Eve could be the third coldest in the eastern U.S. since 1948. It should be noted that global warming refers to changes in the atmosphere over long periods of time. The climate not necessarily changes in day-to-day local weather. Think of climate being like your total net worth, and weather is like the amount of money you have in your pocket right now. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Orange County is leading the way in a new approach to fighting juvenile crime. Governor Rick Scott announced yesterday that juvenile arrests in Florida in the last fiscal year are down to a historic low. Among the five largest counties, Orange had the biggest drop of 15%. The drop in arrests is part of a new approach where juvenile offenders are punished with a citation instead of an arrest for minor offenses. A man considered a person of interest in an Orange County crash that killed a 12-year-old boy this week is behind bars. Winter Haven's Jonathan Williams was arrested for a probation violation in Polk County. Williams is considered a person of interest in the death of Sebastian Duque. Duque was hit by a car while crossing I-Drive Tuesday night. The driver is accused of fleeing the scene on foot. Right now, Williams has not been charged in connection with Duque's death. And in Florida's southernmost city, they're pulling out all the stops to celebrate the arrival of the new year. That includes the iconic drop of sushi a local drag queen who descends in a red high heel. Andy Newman, the communications director for the Florida Keys Tourism Council, says sushi has been at this for some time now.
3: Well, I believe that this is sushi's twentieth anniversary of being in the shoe by the way, and you know for for those folks um it, that not only will there be a number of different live stream opportunities but uh, the folks at c n n are coming back this year they've been they have they've been asking for the last couple of years but but c n n is returning uh
1: to cover the uh the big red shoe drop live so take that Times square
0: <laughs> the big red shoe drop, huh? yes. We, Mike and I, before before the show, were looking into other things that different cities do on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I mean, we have oranges here.
1: Right, there's potato. Idaho does yep, potatoes. Idaho does
0: a potato. There's somewhere in Wisconsin that does cheese. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a. It's kind of funny. It All
1: is right. funny. WFLA News time now 6.05. Newt Gingrich predicts a political surprise for 2018. Get the details on that right now at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News
4: Radio 1025.
0: And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back next week. We'll start 2018 with the regular team in place with Deborah Roberts, Bud, and myself. But today we have me filling in for Bud, Tom Alexander who is filling in for Deborah Roberts, Mike who is producing and Stephanie who is screening your calls at 407-916-5400. Text to 23680. So I am going to get into this story about the United Nations. I've found some some editorial pieces in different places. That basically call for defunding the United Nations. This comes after many of the countries in the U.N. uh, voted to condemn the move to move the embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. So we'll talk about that and uh, get your calls as well. Trump. That was interesting. Tom Alexander reporting that Trump was tweeting on global warming. You know, the left. (laughs) They must be going nuts right now. This is what he said. In the East, it could be the coldest New Year's Eve on record. Perhaps we could use a little bit of that good old global warming that our country, country, but not other countries, was going to pay trillions of dollars to protect against, to bundle up. Now, he was talking about the Paris Climate Accords, which he said the U.S. was going to get out of, which I agreed with. I mean, I don't blame him for doing this, because every time there's a hurricane... Or every time there's a heat wave, or every time there's a fire, people say, well, that's, look, that is proof there's global warming right there. Every kind of natural disaster, that is proof there's global warming. So, when there's a cold snap, why can't Trump say that's proof there's not global warming? If we're going to play that game, well, let's play that game. It doesn't always work for them. So, uh, pretty interesting, that's going to be a big topic that's going to be a huge topic today in the left. It's going to drive them crazy, which, which Trump likes to do a lot. So I definitely understand. Global warming is something I've talked about many times on the show. My biggest problem with it is it seems like the solutions, the so-called solutions to fight global warming are always more government and less free market capitalism. It's a very convenient argument to uh, argue against capitalism by using global warming. It's never. I never hear... To fight global warming, we need more free markets. We need more capitalism. We need less government. I never hear that, ever. It's always we need more government. We need the United Nations to step in. We need to spend trillions more dollars. Governments need to spend that around the world. It's never, ever more free markets and more capitalism. And that's what makes me very suspect about the whole global warming movement and has for a long time. So I want to get into the United Nations and their vote to condemn us which they which they did a few days ago to condemn us for moving our our embassy from tel aviv to jerusalem in israel and we'll take your calls as well 407-916-5400 text to 23680 it is 608 on good morning orlando so i praised president trump when he announced that he was going to move our embassy in Israel, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is Israel's capital. It is what Israel says their capital is. We're really just recognizing reality when we did that. But, of course, the Palestinians don't like it, and many other countries in the world apparently don't like it, even though it was the right move. In fact, some 128 countries in the United Nations uh, voted in a resolution basically saying up, uh, we say that's null and void. We don't like that you you did that. So in response to that, we decided we're gonna slash funding to the United Nations by two hundred and eighty-five million dollars in the coming year. Now, before that resolution happened, before that resolution was passed against the United States and against Israel, and they're always doing resolutions against Israel. There is such an anti Israeli bias in the United Nations, it's obvious every day. But Nikki Haley spoke to the United Nations right before that happened, and she had some pretty tough words for those countries. This is what she said
5: The United States will remember this day in which it was singled out for attack in the General Assembly for the very act of exercising our right as a sovereign nation. We will remember it when we are called upon to once again make the world's largest contribution to the United Nations and we will remember it when so many countries come calling on us as they so often do to pay even more and to use our influence for their benefit America will put our embassy in Jerusalem that is what the American people want us to do and it is the right thing to do no vote in the United Nations will make any difference on that but this vote Will make a difference on how Americans look at the UN and on how we look at countries who disrespect us in the UN. And this vote will be remembered.
0: This is one of the, the great things about having Trump as president. I mean, I know that's Nikki Haley speaking, and Nikki Haley is doing a great job as UN ambassador. But with Trump as president, and this is why a lot of people voted for him, he is willing to make bold moves like that. Not only to move the embassy to Jerusalem, but he's willing to call out the UN when they do something stupid, like condemn our move to do that. He's willing to take those steps and then to slash funding by $285 million. Do you know of any other president who would have the guts to have done that? I don't. So that's one of the, that's one of the good things about having Trump in office, that he's willing to make those bold moves and he really doesn't care what they think. But is $285 million, is that enough? Or should we defund it completely? 407-916-5400, text to 23680, standard message and data rates apply. I found this piece uh, from Ben Shapiro in the Daily Wire, and this is not the only piece I've seen on this. There are many people who are saying, look, the UN is outdated. All they do is condemn us, even though we're putting in most of the money. Why are we even bothering with this anymore? This is what he said in his piece. The title of his piece is Time to Defund the United Nations. He says it straight up, which is time to get out. He says, herein lies the great irony of the United Nations. While it is a hive of scum and villainy, and it votes repeatedly to condemn the United States and Israel, the tyrannies that constitute the body continue to oppress their own people. Among those who voted last week to condemn the U.S. for recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital And moving its embassy to Jerusalem were North Korea, Iran, Yemen, and Venezuela. Why exactly should the United States ever take advice from those nations seriously? He says we shouldn't. And we should stop sending cash to an organization that operates as a front for immoral agenda items. I agree with them. I agree. It just seems like every time the United Nations gets together, it's to condemn us or condemn Israel. And then to treat some of these third world dictator countries as they're on equal footing with us. Why? Why do we even bother with this anymore? Four zero seven nine one six fifty four hundred. you agree with him. Is it time to just defund the United Nations? Is it time to just get out? There's more to uh, what he said here in this piece that I'm going to get to in a sec. He makes a lot of great points. And uh, I'll comment on it as well. We'll get to more of that in just a minute. It is 618 on Good Morning Orlando. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. If you want to send me a phone request on Facebook, you can. Search Michael Yaffe. I will accept it. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Beyond Reason R. So we've been talking about the United Nations because there's been a lot of controversy surrounding them. Trump made the right move, in my opinion, to move the the embassy in... Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and a lot of people on the left are upset. A lot of people in the United Nations are upset. The Palestinians are upset, but they're always upset. No matter if it's pro-Israel anything, they're upset. But the United Nations voted. 128 countries in the United Nations basically voted to condemn that move. In response to that, Nikki Haley, who's the UN, our UN ambassador decided with the Trump administration that we're going to cut funding by them by $285 million. Now, we spend almost three, a little over $3 billion a year to fund them. Now, I'm I'm not one of these people who thinks the United Nations doesn't do anything good. They do some good things. And Nikki Haley actually said that in some of her speech, that they do some good things. But if we're not going to defund them if we're not going to get out of the united nations we at least need to call on reformation of that place and i was reading a piece from ben shapiro who basically says it's time to defund the united nations because all they seem to do is condemn us and condemn israel and a lot of the countries that do that are just dictators who uh, basically oppress their own people why are we even take why do we even care what they say he says you know this is what he said. He said, why exactly should the United States ever take advice from those nations seriously? He says, we shouldn't. And we, stop, and we should stop sending cash to an organization that operates as a front for immoral agenda items. He says, the United, the United Nations spends the vast majority of its time condemning Israel. According to UN Watch, the UN Human Rights Council issued 135 resolutions from June 2006 to June 2016. 68 of those were against Israel. So out of 135 resolutions in 10 years, 68 of them were against Israel. How is that even possible? Do you think they condemn the Palestinian authority that much? I sincerely doubt it. He continues on here. He says the United the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization only passes resolutions against Israel. And the UN General Assembly issued 97 resolutions from 2012 through 2015, 83 of which were targeted against Israel. There's an obvious hatred towards Israel, which I frankly don't understand says, meanwhile, the United Nations has done nearly nothing with regard to Syria. It has instead suggested that Israel turn over the Golan Heights to the Syrian regime. So, we're pro, so they're pro-Syria and anti-Israel now, really? Why are we funding them? The United Nations can't even successfully prevent the slaughter in Miramar. But they certainly have something to say about whether the United States ought to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. He continues on. I'm reading from Ben Shapiro on the Daily Wire. He says, one of the great lies of the Obama administration was that diplomacy is foreign is a foreign policy. We often heard from it that the only two alternatives were diplomacy and war. That was the stated reason for pursuing a one sided nuclear deal with Iran that left Iran with burgeoning regional power and legitimacy. What do you want? A war or something? It asked. But the moment that the Trump administration uses tools of diplomacy, including financial pressure, to achieve American ends, the left complains. Would it prefer war? Diplomacy is a tool, not a foreign policy, and the use of diplomacy to pressure other nations to follow our lead is not only smart, but also necessary. That is why the Trump administration was exactly right to negotiate a $285 million cut to the United Nations budget. Now we ought to slash our contributions to that counterproductive organization since we pay one-fifth of the total bill. One-fifth of the total bill. says the United Nations has always been a foolish fantasy, a League of Nations knockoff that has been about as productive and twice as irritating. It's an outdated, an outmoded organization that outlived whatever small usefulness it once had. There's no reason for us to continue cutting checks to prop up regimes that condemn us publicly for exercising the most basic basic standards of morality. Could not agree more. That was a great piece by them. Good start by the Trump administration on that. And I really love what Nikki Haley's doing in the United Nations. That might be one of Trump's best picks in his administration. All right, we have Tom Alexander, who's going to talk about the latest news at the bottom of the hour. It's 629, and good morning, Orlando. And we have Tom Alexander joining me in the studio who's going to talk about the latest news of the morning. How are you, Tom?
1: I'm doing well this morning, Effie. How are you?
0: Doing pretty good. Almost to New Year's. Almost to 2018. God,
1: where'd it go? I don't, know. I don't know. It's just
0: gone, though. Yeah,
1: it is. Can't get it back. So what do you got for us? <laughs> well, President Donald Trump is ending 2017 taking a swipe at global warming. While vacationing here in Florida, the president tweeted Thursday about the winter storm that could pound the East Coast on New Year's Eve. He wrote, quote, perhaps we could use a little bit of that old global warming that our country, but not other countries, was going to pay trillions of dollars to protect against, end quote. The president has been outspoken about climate change in the past, but not very much in this first year of his presidency. Weather experts have calculated that New Year's Eve could be the third coldest in the eastern U.S. since 1948. It should be noted that global warming refers to changes in the average temperature of the whole planet, not changes in day-to-day local weather. Uh, you can think of climate being like your net worth, and weather is the amount of money you have in your pocket today. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Speaking of President Trump, he says he thinks the special counsel in the Russia investigation will treat him fairly. In an interview with New York Times writer Michael Schmidt, the president did not demand an end to the probe into Russian nettling in the U.S. election, But he insisted 16 times that there was no collusion.
3: And he believes that if he can nail home that point that there was no collusion, then, you
1: know, that this will all go away. The president said the sooner the investigation is wrapped up, the better it will be for the country. He said the investigation makes the country look very bad. And 12 people are dead, including four children, in the deadliest fire in New York City in a quarter century. The victims of last night's fire in the Bronx include a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a seven-year-old, and an unidentified boy. The fire broke out just before 7 p.m. in a first-floor apartment in a five-story building just a block from the Bronx Zoo. More than 200 firefighters responded to the scene. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio says with four people fighting for their lives right now, the death toll is expected to rise. And if you're concerned about the rollback of the property tax deduction for 2018, there isn't much you can do about it. People across the country are scrambling to prepay their taxes because the new tax bill puts a cap on deductions for state, local, and property taxes. But here in Florida, state law does not allow you to prepay your taxes. So you couldn't do it even if you wanted to.
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of states are actually having that issue. and the, One of the reasons is... What if you don't own the property next year? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? that's
1: the thing. And and here in Florida, uh, taxes for 2018 haven't even been assessed yet. They don't start right. that until January 1st. If yeah. so you can't pay something, you haven't been assessed.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're actually going to talk with uh, our expert on that, Joel Garris. We're going
1: to talk to him about 740 uh, about that issue. So stay tuned. There we go. Important information. WFLA News Time now is 635. I'm Tom Alexander, News Radio 1025, WFLA. Get these stories and more right now at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues right now.
0: Yes, and it is the final trading day in the stock market of the year, of 2017, because we're close to 2018. So we're going to talk with Gina Cervetti from the Bloomberg Newsroom on uh, what's going on with the markets, what they predict, what the futures are looking like. So good morning, Gina. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm fine. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, too. I guess we won't talk again until 2018. I guess not. So, yeah, are you doing anything fun <laughs> for New Year's? Uh,
6: kind of laying low, I think. Maybe having friends over for dinner. I mean, that's fun
0: to me. Maybe I think I'm it's just fun. Foreign, but <laughs> that sounds I was like fun.
6: Saying to someone earlier, can't remember the last time I actually saw Midnight. So, <laughs> Really? You always fall asleep? Oh, my goodness.
0: Yes. Well, I guess because of this job. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're just not used to staying up early. <laughs> You're just late. used to being asleep at 8 o'clock. <laughs> That's a good point. All right. So what do the futures look like for the final trading day of the year?
6: They look pretty good. It looks like we're going to have a higher Wall Street open on this final day. And uh, overseas, we had some strong gains for the year in Asia. The Nikkei in Tokyo finished out the year with a gain of 19%. The Hang Seng was up 36%. Crude oil is set for a second gain for a second year in a row. It's this morning above $60. Yesterday. Again, the same old thing with light trading this week. We had telecom companies rising. That helped offset a decline in consumer. And the S&P was up about 5 points, or two-tenths percent, to 26.88. The Dow tacked on another 63 and closed at a new record of 24,838. The Nasdaq added 11 and closed at 69.50. And the Bloomberg Orlando index was up three-tenths percent.
0: So General Motors might be facing some lawsuits soon. Tell us about that. Well, the lawyers suing
6: General Motors over those deadly ignition switch defects may have overplayed their hand in New York. A federal judge here just threw out two more crucial test cases saying that the plaintiffs failed to provide evidence that the specific type of flaw alleged to have occurred here in two Texas car wrecks which was a double rotation of the ignition switch, was anything more than what the judge called theoretical possibility. Hundreds of these cases remain pending over accidents linked to the ignition switches that could jostle into the off position. A GM has already paid almost $600 million to an out-of-court victim's compensation fund. So far, four of these suits have been settled. GM has won three at trial and gained a pre-trial dismissal in another
0: and uh, apple found some controversy recently because it was found out that they were slowing down some of their older iphones well apple is trying to get some forgiveness what's going on there
6: <laughs> they're apologizing to customers for reduced performance of the older iphones saying that aging batteries in the phones contributed to performance issues after a software update was issued about a year ago Apple has faced lawsuits over this software tweak, which led to noticeably slower performance in iPhone 6 and iPhone 6S models. Now, anyone with an iPhone 6 or later will be able to replace the battery at a reduced cost beginning in late January. Apple also plans to update its operating system so users can see whether their battery's condition is affecting the performance of
0: their iPhone. And one of the issues in the economy in the last few years is it seems like wage growth has been really slow for a big part of the economy. But some economists believe that we might be turning a corner. Why is that? Yeah,
6: some of them say that this stubborn trend may be starting to change. Bloomberg Businessweek is reporting that as the job markets tighten, companies are investing more in their equipment. This leads to higher productivity, which normally translates into better pay. So we'll have to watch as we move through 2018 and a lot of folks certainly hoping that the wage growth does pick up
0: all right gina thank you so much and well we'll talk to you again next year (laughs) have a great new year we will see you in 2018 yeah sounds good thank you so much (laughs) so is the nfl in decline we've talked about that a lot on this show but there's a billionaire out there who thinks just that. And we'll talk about that. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well in just two minutes. News Radio five WFLA. Yes. So uh, Mark Cuban was asked about if the NFL, if he would buy an NFL team because there's an NFL team up for sale. And they thought, oh, maybe he'd be interested. He bought a basketball team. So he was thinking about buying an NFL team, maybe. So they asked him about it. And his answer is pretty interesting. And we're going to get to that in a sec. I wanted to take a call here because in the last half hour, we were talking about the United Nations and how they seem to be obsessed with condemning Israel. And maybe it's time to defund them. Maybe it's time to get out. All they do is condemn us and condemn Israel. Why do we keep paying the bill for them? So more and more people are calling for us to just defund them. Now, we are cutting some of the funding to them. We pay the vast majority of it. Like 22% of their budget is paid for by us. So let's take a call on that. Let's go to Dale in Orlando. Dale, what's your take on that?
3: Uh, well, my take is on it is uh, I own a business here in Orange County, and uh, me and my workers and, uh, you know, all Americans, we don't go to work every day so that some of our money can be can be spent abroad. Uh fixing roads, building schools, and feeding other people. I mean, uh, I, just, I just think it's a shame that, uh, you know, more Americans aren't aware of what's really going on. I mean, uh, you know, when we go into the grocery store or the gas station, we all pay the same price. But uh, our taxes, you know, the tax bill they just passed, I mean, why am I more taxed than somebody else when I'm trying to hire people and run a business to, uh, you know, do what it's, what a, a patriot american is doing i mean i don't need to hire people i could run my business myself i mean i have a landscape business
0: so what's the, what does that have to do with the united nations and defunding so what
3: them? that has to do is it's it's so frustrating that i work hard every day i'm trying to help the economy and stuff and our money is being spent in a united nations i mean name one thing that they have ever done around the world that they've gotten victory for something or they have improved the lives of anybody
0: Oh, that's a great point. I I can't argue with that. I bet there's a lot of people out there that agree with you on that. Good call. So the Dallas, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban, he was asked if maybe he would want to buy the Carolina Panthers. Apparently, Sean Diddy Combs is trying to get some help because he wants to purchase the team. It is Diddy now, right? I remember the days when it was Puff Daddy years ago
2: (laughs) we'll see what tomorrow brings
0: yeah i feel like he's changed it like
2: 10 times it'll just be like did
0: or something (laughs) yeah but um so yeah he's trying to buy it and so the dallas morning news asked mark cuban who owns the dallas mavericks if he would be interested this is what he said he said why would i buy an nfl team if i think the league is in decline there's no team i would want other than the mavericks certainly no football team in the universe he says there's not even a close second. I love the Mavs. I love Dallas. I mean, Charlotte's a great city, but there's nothing I don't like here other than losing right now. Yeah, his team's not doing really well. Yeah. I would never, I would never turn my back on the city of Dallas. But he says, oh yeah, he says, um, and what am I going to say to my son and my friends or my daughter and her friends? Oh yeah, football's dangerous for you, but I bought a football team. I know I'm a hypocrite from time to time, but I really, really, really try not to be. So he thinks the NFL is in decline. I bet many of you agree with that for many different reasons. Obviously, the anthem protest is the biggest reason. And those who say that's not having an effect, I just, I don't believe that. I believe it is having an effect. I talk to people who are not even into politics who were protesting the NFL because of that. Is there anything that could, Bring it back for you. Is there anything that can make the NFL great again? Or is it going to continue to go into decline? 407-916-5400. Text to two three I'm going to talk more about this. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News ready, 1-2-5 WFOA. So Mark Cuban, who is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks basketball team, was asked if he would... Be interested in buying a football team. The Carolina Panthers are for sale. That, uh, o- that owner ended up said he was going to sell the team. There were sexual harassment allegations against him, so he announced he was going to sell the team. And they thought, hey, Mark Cuban, would you want to buy it? He said no. Why would I buy a team in the NFL when the NFL is in decline? He believes the NFL is in decline. Now, the Washington Times also had a report out, and they say the NFL is trying to look for ways – to bring back their fans because they have lost a lot of fans this year. For example, in week 15 of the NFL season, average television viewership fell 9% from the same week last season. Week 14 was 8.4% lower compared with 2006. All told, the NFL is averaging 15 million viewers per game compared with 16.6 million last year. Almost 2 million viewers less. That's a pretty big number when you're talking about, when you're trying to sell ads, when you're trying to make money. Is there anything that can bring the NFL back? Honestly, I'm not sure. It is true that the national anthem thing was a big problem. I talk to people all the time, many that are not even into politics, who were really offended by the players kneeling for the national anthem because they love their country. They love the flag. And by kneeling for the anthem, they thought it was disrespectful. They thought there were better ways to protest. And there's a lot of people, frankly, that I talked to that were just sick of hearing about politics in sports. Because ESPN was obsessed with it for a while. And they were just tired of hearing about politics. And they just didn't want to do that while they are watching sports. So that was one reason for the decline. The other reason, though, that I think is going to be a big issue for the NFL, it continues to be a big issue for the NFL, is they keep finding that these players have brain issues, have brain injuries after they've played for a while in the NFL. It's a big problem. Now, the NFL keeps trying to change the rules. They keep trying to make it safer, prevent more concussions. But the more and more they try to prevent it, One, it changes the game drastically, which a lot of people don't like. But two, it doesn't seem to be working. It seems like more and more players are still having that same problem. And I have a feeling, kind of like what Mark Cuban said, that more and more people are just not going to want to deal with it because they're going to think it's too dangerous. Now, it is kind of ironic that more and more people don't want to watch the NFL because they think that's too dangerous well, at the same time, UFC, mixed martial arts, their ratings are going way up. And th- I mean, that has to be just as dangerous or if not more dangerous than the NFL. But the injury thing is a big problem. They are finding that a lot more people are being turned off by the NFL for that reason. I don't, I don't know. I don't think the NFL is going to go away. I think it'll still be there. It'll still be popular. But I kind of agree with Mark Cuban. I think it's going to continue to decline a little bit more. Now, what sport's going to take its place? I don't know. Some people think the NBA. The NBA has just as many problems when it comes to players getting involved in politics than than the NFL. In fact, sometimes the NBA players are worse about that kind of thing. So if people go to the NBA and they see all the players getting into politics there, they're not going to want to watch that either. So I don't know, maybe baseball? People say baseball is a, too boring now. It's too slow. Maybe people want to slow down a little bit. <laughs> Our world just moves so fast that maybe people are looking
2: for something that's a little bit slower. I don't know. Maybe we just need to vamp it up. Light the ball on fire or something.
0: Light the ball on fire. That's a new one. They have had they have had some suggestions to speed up the game. I think, you know, uh, they, you know how players can take timeouts before they hit the ball and they kind of go off the plate or whatever. They want to get rid of that. That's one thing. There's cu- a couple ways you could change the game. Add like but. a
2: timer to it or something.
0: That would be interesting. A timer to it. That, the biggest problem I have with baseball, there's too many games. How, how many there games? Are there are a lot
2: of games. No, yeah. How,
0: there are way too many games. One that's thing that was good about the NFL was once a week you could kind of put your schedule to it, and it's kind of a daily thing on Sundays where the, <laughs>
2: baseball, how do you keep track of all that? I mean, NBA has a lot of games yeah, too. That's the NBA the playoffs, too, but
0: Yep. I think the NBA has too many games too. I think that's their biggest problem, I think. And that's one problem the NFL had is they started adding Thursday night football and Sunday night football and Monday night football and Friday night football. And people are like, this is too much. It kind of ruined what it was. You just watched it on Sundays. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the NFL will come back and be to its former glory days. It's still it's still top. It's still number one but I kind of agree with Mark Cuban. I think it's probably on the decline a little bit and it will continue to do so. I just don't know what sport will take its place. So we'll see what happens. All right. Tom Alexander just came into the studio and he's going to talk about the latest news, including what I'm going to be talking about in the seven o'clock hour utility companies that want to raise your rates in the aftermath of Hurricane Irma. It is 6.59 and good morning, Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe.
1: And I'm Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. President Trump says the bitter cold weather is evidence against global warming and utility companies companies want to raise your rates. Details coming up in one minute.
0: So we're going to take your calls on that very subject do you think Duke Energy should raise your rates to pay for the Hurricane Irma costs? Take your calls this half
1: hour. 703 on News Radio 1025. President Donald Trump says the East Coast could use a little of that, quote, good old global warming to deal with the expected record lows for New Year's Eve. The president tweeted about the cold weather Thursday from his working vacation in South Florida. Weather experts have calculated that New Year's Eve could be the third coldest in the eastern U.S. since 1948. Now, the president did not mention that there is a difference between day-to-day local weather and global climate change, which refers to the average temperature of the whole planet over a long period of time. In fact, 2016 set a record high for Earth's average global temperature. Scientists say 2017 is on track to become the warmest on record, aside from those impacted by El Nino. The news brought to you by Trust Co. Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Twelve people are dead, including four children in the deadliest fire in a quarter century in New York City. The victims of last night's fire in the Bronx include a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a seven-year-old, and an unidentified boy. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio is calling the fire catastrophic. This
7: is the worst fire tragedy we have seen in this city
1: in at least a quarter century. The fire broke out just before 7 p.m. in a first-floor apartment of a five-story building, just a block from the Bronx Zoo. More than 200 firefighters responded to the scene,
0: and as far as I know, they don't know what caused it yet. Right? No,
1: they still don't know.
0: I mean, they don't think it's like terrorism. No, anything. no,
1: I don't. I don't think there's any indication of that right now. They're just they're. It's just an incredibly yeah. tragic right. fire. Duke Energy wants to raise rates on its Florida customers, including 664,000 of them here in Central Florida. Duke wants customers to pay $381 million in recovery costs from Hurricane Irma and chip in another $132 million to replenish the utility's storm reserve fund. A Duke spokesperson says Irma was the most destructive storm to ever hit Duke Energy in Florida. If the Florida Public Service Commission approves the rate hike, typical customers would pay an extra $5.20 a month for three years. FPL, which has 54,000 customers in Seminole County, plans to ask for a $4 increase of the same rate for at least two years, also to recoup some costs from Irma.
0: So, and I want to take calls on this this half hour because there's definitely two sides to this. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of our listeners are going to be upset. Sure. Even though it's kind of a small amount, I still think they're going to be upset and a lot of our listeners were upset at Duke Energy right after Irma. That's right. We they got felt, a lot of
1: calls about that.
0: Because they thought they didn't do a good enough job. I want to get more into the details of this and kind of go to both sides of this and see what people think.
1: Yeah, it'll be uh, controversial for yeah. sure. And Sunday, Amazon Prime is running a documentary about the night of the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. It's about the supply of blood traced from donor to its path through the hospital. Susan Forbes of One Blood is the director and executive producer of the movie, which is called Lifeline.
5: We wanted to create a story that showed the importance of donating on a regular basis and the difference that you can make by doing that.
1: Filmmakers interviewed doctors, patients, and blood donors for the movie with the goal of vividly illustrating the need for a ready blood supply. In the hours after the shooting, OneBlood says it was the people who had donated days before who made the difference. WFLA Newstime, now 7.07. Find out why the new White House strategy is bad news for Michael Flynn at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now.
7: News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025.
0: Now, you said something interesting when you were talking about that documentary on uh, giving blood mm-hmm. and you said that it was the people who donated the day before or the days before that right. really made the difference
1: right the blood that was already banked when people made it to the hospital
0: yeah it's very interesting because i remember right after you had lines and lines of people in orlando right. who wanted to donate blood but that kind of shows how it's important to donate blood year-round
1: right exactly those those lines form so that they can replenish the blood banks after right. they use so much during a tragedy like that but yeah, it's always it's important to donate iron because something like that could happen at any time.
0: Yeah, I think that's not something a lot of people think about. Mm-hmm. They think after tragedy, oh, I need to go donate blood, but they need it before
1: yeah the tragedy. Yeah, it's not something I certainly considered until hearing about this movie.
0: Yeah, so I might I might have to check out that movie. It should be pretty good. Thanks, Tom, so Thanks. much. We'll talk to you at the the bottom of the hour. It is Good Morning Orlando. This is Yaffe filling in for Bud. We have Michael, Mister Michael Formasano producing. And we have Stephanie screening your calls at 407 916 5400. So I'm going to get into both sides of the issue of Duke Energy and FBL wanting to raise your utility costs to pay for Hurricane Irma damage. So we'll get to that. Take your calls. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News ready 1025 WFLA. So I'm already getting texts. <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, in order to get your power, Duke Energy and FBL, frankly, want to raise your rates. Now, it's not by much, but what they want to do is they want to replenish the funds that they lost in a hurricane after Hurricane Irma. Now, I'm already getting texts coming in. You can text to 23680 standard message and data rates apply. of uh, People who are not happy about this. So here what's ha- here's what's happening. If Duke Energy has its ways, according to the Orlando Sentinel, the utility customers, including 664000 in central Florida, will be on the hook for helping to recover Hurricane Irma-related expenses by paying more on their electric bill for the next few years. Duke, the Orlando area's biggest power provider, wants customers to pay $381 million in storm cost and chip in another $132 million to replenish the utility's storm reserve fund After the hurricane swept through on September 11th. Duke spokeswoman says it was a historic natural disaster. We had to bring a small army to rebuild portions of our system, which is true. It's exactly true. Now a Duke customer would pay an extra $5 and 20 cents a month. So when you say $381 million, that's a lot of money. But then when you realize, oh, it's like $5 and 20 cents a month um, on average, not so much now. Florida Power and Light also wants to do this, but they want to raise it by four, about around four dollars is what the average person would pay. So uh, both utility storm reserves were quickly depleted in the wake of Irma. By the way, Duke Energy's reserves of sixty million amounted to roughly twelve percent of the cost caused by Irma. So their reserves that they had storm reserves barely covered it. So they had to really dip into their profits. Now, some utility companies like Kissimmee Kissimmee Utility Authority and Winter Park's Electric Department, they'll get reimbursement through FEMA. But Duke Energy and FBL cannot recover their losses from FEMA. So that's that's another way to look at this. So there's two sides to this. Some people are going to say, well, they should have been prepared. This is, part of the, this is part of the job. This is part of the deal. They have to be ready for this kind of stuff. We shouldn't have to pay extra because of a storm. But the other, other part of this, and this is where I kind of lean, to be honest with you. This is one of those things where we'll be upset now. You know, why do I have to pay this now? And we'll all be upset. And then another hurricane will come. And all of a sudden, the energy companies won't have the money to really rebuild the system. And then all the people that were upset now are going to say, well, why didn't you prepare? Why didn't you get enough money to make sure you could rebuild it if something like this happened? See what I mean? Both sides of this. Now, it's it's such a little amount. I understand why they're doing this. Now, there is some who are saying they should you know we have some texters who are saying they should trim they should trim the company bonuses or they should dip more into their profits because they did make a lot of profits almost a billion dollars in profits in the third quarter so there's that argument as well honestly this is one of those things where i understand why they're doing it because they do need that reserve fund. And if when they don't have the reserve fund and somebody, they, we get hit with a hurricane, all of a sudden we're going to be complaining about it. And then we're going to want to bail out from the government, of course. So what do you think, though? Should they be raising our rates? For this, 407-916-5400. You can text a 23680 standard message and data rates apply. A lot of people that were listening to this show were really upset at Duke after the storm. They thought they took too long to restore energy. We'll talk more about that as well. It is 718 on Good Morning Orlando. (laughs) Oh, so you might be paying a little bit more to get your electricity at your house because Duke and FBL want to raise rates. It would be an average of $5 around dollars per person
2: that does not make me want to boogie woogie woogie
0: no no it doesn't okay <laughs> but um what, what's interesting too is Florida power and light they actually still charge customers a dollar 26 from the storms after 2004 and 2005 so when we had all those hurricanes those years there's still a storm charged t- uh that goes on fbl's customers bills from that and they want to add four extra dollars for this hurricane. So very interesting. Getting a lot of people on the text line that are not happy about this. I had a feeling that was going to happen. Um, let's take a call here. Let's go to Steve in Orlando. Steve, what's your take on this?
4: Yes, Michael. I understand both sides of the argument, but I have to say no to the power companies. That is the the cost of doing business. For 10 years, we dodged the bullet and weren't hit by any major storms and you know, if we do this, what are we going to pay McDonald's extra for for their happy meals because, you know, the damage that was done to their stores and their recovery? I think it's ridiculous.
0: You know, it's, it is an interesting point that you bring that up because the reason why McDonald's would never do that is competition. They couldn't get away with it because of the competition from other places, where with a lot of these energy companies, it's pretty much a monopoly. So it's not like we could have competition – with prices and that creates a lot of problems. So you actually make a really good point on that.
4: Right. And for, like I said, for 10 years, we dodged the bullet. If they didn't, uh, you know, put money aside and, you know, decided to do other things with their profits and they should have planned ahead, like the rest of us have to do.
0: Right. Now I, they did plan ahead some. And what I mean by that is my parents live in an area in Seminole County and you know, where I grew up in my house, our power went out all the time. Our power was out for over two weeks after hurricane Charlie it was crazy. They eventually redid all those lines. Uh, I think they put a lot of them underground. And they didn't lose power at all after Irma. So there was some preparation, but that takes a lot of money. They invested a lot of money in doing that. And it takes time. Now, a lot of people were upset at the energy companies after Hurricane Irma. They thought they took too long. I was not one of those people. I understand when you're in the moment, it seems awful. But they had, there was 10 million people in Florida. Over 60% of the state was without power after Irma. They restored 99% of that power in less than a week and a half. To me, that's almost miraculous. There are people in Puerto Rico right now who still don't have power months later. So um, I don't know. I'm not as critical, but I understand what people are saying. There's the monopol- monopoly factor involved. Uh, let's take another call. Let's go to David in Ocala. David, what's your take on this?
3: Good morning. I agree with the last gentleman. Uh, we had 10 years basically without, you know, any bad hurricanes. Uh, this sounds like a bailout uh, to the stockholders, but they have a billion dollars profit and they have enough capital to, uh, to you know, put that back in themselves. They don't need to hit us up for it, but they know that it'll go, that will come out of their stockholders' uh, Dividend, so uh, they're just
0: going to charge us for it. We don't have anything to say about it. Gotcha. Okay, I appreciate your call. Um, Yeah, I had the profits here. Let me let me see. So in the fourth, in the last quarter, profits actually fell for Duke Energy. So it was nine hundred and fifty-four million in the in the last quarter, which is a lot of money. But that is down from one point one eight billion a year earlier. But some people say, yeah, that's enough profits. You can, you can do it. The biggest problem is, yeah, there's not the competition. So we're kind of stuck with it, kind of like what, what he said there. Is all, these are all great points. So let's go to Joe and Claremont. Joe, what's your take?
7: Uh, my take is a company like that should be encountering anything and everything. It's part of the game for them, weather and everything else. So exactly what the other gentleman said. They they're, they're trying to, They don't want to go into their own profits and take a beating. There are other people, small businesses, and I can tell you somebody I know personally runs an Italian specialty shop in uh, Hollywood, Florida. He got brutally beat up from uh, Wilma. Uh, He didn't raise his prices, and he has an excellent shop. He doesn't have that much competition in that particular case. That's a minor case. But you encounter everything and anything if you're in that business. And if you take a hit, you got to live with it. Aside from that, they can go to institutional insurers. Pay insurance, $20 million a year, maybe 10 years. It may cost them $200 million for insurance, but then the institutional insurer has to kick in X amount of dollars.
0: I wonder, I do wonder, that is a different subject, but I do wonder who would want to insure an energy company in Florida. They probably would charge them a lot of money.
7: We understand that and we know that. That's the big. They charge us a lot for homeowners insurance. Let's be honest, they charge us... Lots of money for insurance in a lot of different respects. The average res- residential person. So we go corporate now. You're talking billions. You're talking billions of dollars. So I think yeah. there is a certain level they got to protect themselves. And that may be one of the, the, the catastrophic situations they should insure for.
0: Gotcha. Okay, Joe, I appreciate your call. Mike, it seems like you agree with a lot of these callers just from looking at you.
2: Well, yeah. I, well, I mean, I have to be... First of all, I hate paying my power bill. I just have to get that <laughs> out the way. It's one That's of the worst things every it. month. I hate paying it <laughs> to begin with because I think it's so expensive. But when we first talked about this and you said, ah, oh, it's going to raise, you know, maybe four or five bucks. I thought maybe that'd be over a year or so. You're telling me this is something they want to do for a few years. And I just don't think I have to agree with these callers. They We haven't had a hurricane in a long time, a big hurricane. Um, I think with the amount of money that we already pay, they could set aside some sort of hurricane fund. It just makes so much sense to me, um, and doesn't make sense to me why they. Well, I know why. It's because, like you said, they have a monopoly. Um, why they don't now, have some sort? We could of...
0: always change the power companies. That there are always votes to do that, and that has happened in the past. Well, it's so they had that right yeah. It is. You're right. <laughs> I think our gut reaction is we just don't want to pay
2: more. Yeah. The one thing I do have to say, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, um, but the amount of manpower that was ready to go after the storm was pretty impressive. Yeah. A lot of places didn't get restored as quickly as everybody had hoped. Um, There's special issues that... I have a
0: feeling what happened for a lot of people is they had to order parts that they didn't realize they were going to need. Yeah. And that takes time. It's
2: hard to get things here yeah. after a hurricane. Um, but I think it could have been a lot worse. I know it could have been a lot worse. We've seen yeah. a lot worse It was worse after Charlie here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um So... All right, I just don't
0: want to pay more. Don't <laughs> right, more. A lot of callers and textures agree with you, Mike. So there you go. Tom Alexander is in the studio. is going to update us on the latest news at the bottom of the hour. It is 731 on Good Morning Orlando. And Tom Alexander is joining me in the studio right now, and he has some of the top stories of the day for us. And so what do you got for us, Tom?
1: Well, Mike, people across the country are waking up to brutal winter weather again today, and frigid temperatures are likely to grip much of the upper Great Plains and Northeast through the the new year. Some places could see record-setting cold, and that's led President Donald Trump to tweet about the weather. He says the East Coast could use a little of that, quote, good old global warming to deal with the expected record lows. The president tweeted about the cold weather Thursday from his working vacation in South Florida. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank.
0: I'm trying to look at the weather to see what it's going to be like here for the next couple of days. It's going to be
1: cool. New Year's Day especially is supposed to be, uh, I think, the high is expected to be in the 50s on New Year's Day. Really? Yeah. Yeah, which is, I guess, Mm -hmm. the Central Florida equivalent of cold.
0: Yeah. I'm rooting for global warming. I hate the cold. (laughs) I I was promised global warming. Come on. (laughs) Go ahead.
1: All right. So... Are you a frozen pizza fan, Yaffe? Yes, I am. Who Who? isn't? Who Uh, isn't, really?
0: Communists.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I can't argue with that. I have no evidence to argue that. (laughs) No, but I love frozen pizza. Of course. Consumer Reports has released its list of the cheapest and tastiest frozen pizzas, topping the list, home run in pizza. Really? Yeah. 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 Huh. That's, yeah, unexpected. I didn't I did
0: not expect. It, I see that in the store. I don't yeah. think I've ever had it, though. I've had it once or twice. It's decent. It's pretty good. Huh. It's pretty good. DiGiorno uh,
1: came in at number two. Yeah, California. DiGiorno's good. DiGiorno is, is pretty good.
0: But, I mean, it's a little bit pricey It's on like, the
1: expensive side for yeah. frozen pizza. That's like, you know, yeah. high roller. Like, that's yeah. payday frozen pizza. <laughs>
0: payday, you know, like, yep.
1: Day before payday frozen pizza <laughs> is a different animal. <laughs> <laughs> California Pizza Kitchen settled in at the number seven spot. Totino's Pizza, that yeah. cheap and flaky day before payday uh, favorite. Uh, I love it. That came in at number 11. Should and be higher. Red Baron so uh, came in at number 12. Tony's and Tombstone came in at numbers 14 and 15, respectively. I like Tombstone.
0: I like all the. I'm, I guess I'm not very picky, because I, I, mean, I like
1: all of these. <laughs> I, really, that's the thing. In the frozen pizza game, it's. I mean, <laughs> is there bad pizza? Is there really such a thing as bad pizza? Nah, not to me. I mean, at least you had pizza.
0: Yeah, Totino's, even how good that is. <laughs>
1: Why
2: haven't we gotten true. one of those uh, pizza vending machines yet? That's a thing? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we've talked about it. On, I think. Deb's talked about it before.
2: Wow. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and all we have is that snack machine that gets all your MMs stuck.
0: I don't know. You need to you need to get to work on that. Start we, a we get... move
1: on.org petition.
0: Ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> start a petition. We'll start Do a, a company protest. Wide email. We'll start a protest.
1: <laughs> there we How's go. How's that?
2: Sounds great. You know where you can actually get a (laughs) fast... Occupy (laughs) iHeartMedia. Occupy iHeartMedia. It's the Pizzagate scandal. (laughs) Yeah.
0: The real Pizzagate scandal. You
2: know where you can get a decent frozen pizza really fast? 7-Eleven. Yep. Yeah. Have you ever tried it? Mm -hmm. Never. I I, I actually had it yesterday. (laughs) Really? (laughs) So you know what I'm talking about. You walk (laughs) over to that hot dog bar and you put a couple toppings on there and your night is
1: good.
0: (laughs) I I can't argue with that. Nope.
1: (laughs) i'll have to be brave and try that sometime
0: <laughs> all right tom you're gonna all join right. us again at the top of the hour yeah, i'll
1: see you at eight o'clock
0: all right can you bring some pizza with you maybe no
1: i'll do my level best but no. It's a little early i think <laughs> <laughs> don't come back without pizza is really what he meant
2: <laughs> okay
0: now. then bye everybody <laughs> i'm hungry now all right um we have joel garris who is with nelson financial planning and i wanted to bring him on because he's going to tell us there's a lot of controversy over the property taxes. There's some change in the deductions over property taxes that's going to affect many people in Florida. So I wanted to get an expert to talk about that. So we'll talk to Joel Garris in the next segment. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio, 102.5 W. All right. So a lot, of, a lot of controversy over the new tax bill. And one thing that is changing is how you can deduct your property taxes, And I wanted to bring on Joel Garris. He's with Nelson Financial Planning. He also does a show here Sunday mornings, uh, Dollars and Cents. It's the longest running radio show in Central Florida, I believe. And he's a great expert on this topic. Joel, how are you this morning? I'm good.
4: Good morning, Yaffe. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. So there's there's a lot of people that were trying to pay their property taxes early. Can you explain to me why they wanted to do that?
4: I think there's a lot of confusion over whether you're going to be able to deduct your real estate taxes going forward. And and first and foremost, you're certainly going to be able to do that deduction. It's just that it's capped at $10,000. So a lot of these folks that are rushing to prepay their taxes really aren't going to be affected by the, by the change. It's only if your real estate taxes and your other taxes are really adding up to a, to a decent number.
0: So so you think that most people, like, say, in Central Florida, they'll be able to deduct just like they did before. It's only, like, maybe the wealthy that ha- will have a problem.
3: Correct. If you've
4: got a big real estate tax bill, then certainly you're gonna, that cap is going to come into play. See, here in Florida, yeah, we don't have a, a state income tax. Right. So it's really an issue. You're seeing these big lines up north where they've got state income tax uh, plus relatively high real estate tax bills. So for those folks, uh, it does make sense. But the IRS certainly added a layer of confusion yesterday in issuing out a notice as to whether you could actually prepay something that hasn't been assessed yet. And, and, and that's certainly a, a, a question for, for debate.
0: Well, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of confused how you would be able to prepay it if it hasn't been assessed yet. I would think you can't.
4: The argument for the side of oh, I, I should be able to deduct it is that you know it's coming, you know it's a bill, and so by prepaying it, uh, you're you're hoping to make that that claim. But Yaffi, I think you're right. I think uh, if if the bill has not been assessed, that's the technical rule. If it hasn't been assessed, then you're probably not going to be able to to write them off, write it off. So some of this, some of these folks that are paying, may be. It may be a moot point all the way around.
0: Now, I heard that some some states that are really affected by this are like trying to make laws around it or something, or to help taxpayers. <laughs> uh, how does how exactly does that work? Uh, it doesn't. Uh,
4: okay. The States can't make a law a, 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 a around the uh, the IRS ruling, but I think what they're what they're doing is they're challenging the notice. They're seeking clarification on on the notice. Here in Florida, the way that our Uh, property taxes work is you're typically given a a bill in uh, in November and you have up until March to pay it. So our advice to our clients has been, well, go ahead and at least pay that bill. If you typically pay that bill in like March when it's due, you may want to think about paying that bill this year. So the idea of at least paying the bill this year makes sense because the rules are changing next year because of that higher standard deduction. So there is some logic behind folks folks doing that. You just have to be aware that and whether that's going to apply to you or not is a is a is a different question.
0: But I mean what if you pay the bill early and then you end up moving and you've paid a bill for property that you no longer own for that year? It's just I don't know. It just seems kind of strange to me.
4: <laughs> well, that's certainly the confusing part. The other part is that many people pay their real estate taxes uh, through through escrow on their on their mortgage. So, I, I think it'd be very hard to, to so. talk to your mortgage company and say, "Hey, do you mind if you send in that money now rather than later?" I, I think that might be <laughs> a little tricky.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, most people pay it through their mortgage, and I mean, they they just pay it as their monthly. You know the monthly bill. So
3: correct,
4: and then the mortgage company sends that money in and pays your pays your real estate taxes. Uh, usually, they'll do that. Um, well, here in Florida, they'll do that when the bill first comes out. So that's uh, typically in the in the fall.
0: So we don't have to worry about the the changes in the deductions for state income taxes, as you said. Are we able to deduct sales taxes though in Florida?
4: Yeah, we we are still this this ten thousand dollar cap uh, that comes in to play for two thousand and eighteen is a is a cap on sort of all of those taxes, state taxes, sales tax, real estate taxes. That that aggregate amount uh, can't be over can't be over ten thousand. And I guess I was that was an a, to.
0: yeah, I guess that was an attempt to uh, simplify the tax code. Attempt to
4: simplify the tax code also um, to make it a little bit fairer. Uh, If you're living in a state that has lower taxes, um, you you shouldn't uh, be supplementing uh, the write-off of folks that live in high-tax states.
0: I completely agree with that. That is one reason why, yeah, I agreed with what they did with this bill. Why are we subsidizing other states who choose to have higher taxes?
4: Correct and that's exactly how it played out If I'm living in New York and I get to write off twenty thousand dollars uh, I'm saving more on my taxes than than if I were down here in Florida where the uh, there is no state income tax and real estate taxes are are lower than places up north
0: very interesting all right Joel Garris from Nelson Financial Planning you can listen to his show Sunday mornings at nine dollars and cents I appreciate you coming on with me.
4: Very good. Yes, Sunday, this coming Sunday, we'll be doing our fearless forecast for the year 2018. So, uh,
0: and you're an usually, program. I mean, you're usually right on. You're usually pretty close with your predictions for the next year.
4: Well, we've been pretty close the past few years, so we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll take that.
0: Uh, all right, Joel, I appreciate you coming on. I'll talk to you again soon.
4: Sounds great, Effie. Have a great new year.
0: You too. And, uh, we have our latest news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 125. So, uh, Mike. Yes, gonna, sir. You gonna drop You gonna watch the big orange drop in Orlando on New Year's Eve?
2: I got to be honest, my plans actually just changed. I might be headed to Tampa. What do they drop there? I don't know. Uh, fish. Oh, <laughs> fish! I was looking up
0: stories of things like some of the weirdest stuff that's dropped on New Year's Eve, like the ball drop. Number one in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, they drop a giant peep. You like that, like the Easter candy. Yeah, like the Easter. I don't even know if I classify that as candy. Marshmallows. It's like a marshmallow thing. Yeah. they drop a giant peep.
2: That is funny. In Why? They uh, make peeps there.
0: Uh, I guess. I guess that's where they made peeps originally, or something. But oh, in Eastover, North Carolina, they drop an oversized flea. What? <laughs> yeah, this is. Oh, they drop a moon pie in Mobile, Alabama. So so they... Okay. It's... <laughs> I'm not understanding great.
2: this. I think uh, they drop a raspberry or something somewhere in, here. In
0: in in Palm in Panama City in Florida, uh the beach, they drop a giant beach ball. It's a in,
2: good one. In Sarasota, they drop a pineapple. Really? Yeah, that's fun.
0: I know in uh Georgia they drop a peach. Uh ooh, In Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, they drop a wrench.
2: <laughs> this is great stuff. This is pretty good, man. There's, I did there's not like a, know all this. Do you think there's like a committee? It's just, what should we drop?
0: Uh, how about? I'm sure giants? there is. I don't know. Oh, in Key West, they drop a drag queen in a red high heel. So.
2: Yeah, we, we talked about that earlier. <laughs> I, I've heard about that. I've never seen the big red high heel, but apparently that's a really big thing down there.
0: Uh, it is. It is. So very interesting. I don't. I, I now I don't know which one I'm nope. going to watch.
2: The New England Patriots dropped the giant football. <laughs> the giant
0: deflated football. Yep. <laughs> All right, Tom Alexander. Yeah, he's laughing at that, too. Tom Alexander's... Wherever
1: Bud is, he's angry now.
0: (laughs) Yep. Uh, He's going to update us on the latest news. It's 8 o'clock, and good morning, Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe.
1: And I'm Tom Alexander, in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. President Trump says the bitter cold weather is evidence against global warming. And Apple is apologizing for iPhone battery issues. Details coming up in one minute.
0: Headline in the National Review, Can America Survive as a Post-Christian Nation? We'll talk about that this half hour.
1: Coming up on 804 now on News Radio 1025, people across the U.S. are dealing with nasty cold weather. President Donald Trump used that to take a swipe at global warming, saying we could use some global warming to fight these temperatures. Forecasters have calculated that New Year's Eve could be the third coldest in the eastern U.S. since 1948. We should note that global warming refers to changes in the entire planet's atmosphere over long periods of time. The climate not necessarily changes in day-to-day local weather. Think of climate being like your total net worth and weather as the amount of money you have in your pocket right now. The news brought to you by TrustCo Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Florida is tied with New York for the second most law enforcement officer deaths in the line of duty this year with nine. Texas led the nation with 14. The National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund released its annual law officer fatality report this week. Spokesman Craig Floyd took a closer look at the Florida deaths.
3: Five of those officers died in traffic-related incidents. Three were killed by gunfire, uh, and one officer actually suffered a fatal heart attack responding to a suicidal inmate.
1: Four of the Florida deaths were right here in central Florida, Orange County Deputy Norman Lewis and Orlando Police Lieutenant Deborah Clayton in January, and Officer Matthew Baxter and Sergeant Sam Howard with the Kissimmee Police Department in August. Nationwide, 128 law officers died in the line of duty this year. That's actually down 10% from last year. And the number of juvenile arrests in our state is at its lowest in 42 years. Alan Spector reports. Governor Rick Scott announced that juvenile arrests statewide dropped 7% in the last fiscal year and are down
2: 24% over the last five years. Scott credits significant strides that he says Florida's made in reforming its juvenile justice system. There were decreases in the state's five largest counties, Led by Orange County, down 15%, followed by Hillsborough, down 14%, Broward and Miami Dade, 7%, and Palm Beach,
1: 4%. Alan Spector, News Radio 1025, WFLA. Orange County officials say the drop in arrests is part of a new approach where juvenile offenders are punished with a citation instead of an arrest for minor offenses. And finally, Apple is apologizing for its iPhone battery slowdown. That comes as Apple faces a growing number of lawsuits after admitting it slowed older iPhones without telling consumers to compensate for poor battery performance with new software updates. The company says it would never do anything to intentionally shorten the life of any product or force someone to upgrade. WFLA News time now, 8.06. Read about Bono saying he almost died while making the latest U2 album. Wait, wait, why? You can get the details at 1025WFLA.com
0: Well uh, uh, well, how did he I I feel like Okay
1: (laughs) The third hour of Good Morning Orlando continues right now
7: News, weather, traffic This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025
0: I mean I play drums Mm -hmm. and I've uh, recorded albums before and I play at church every Sunday. I, I It hasn't almost killed me. I don't. I don't.
1: Here, let's take a I, look.
0: I, I know. I've been like, I've totally thrown a wrench into this show, but okay. He, he okay. doesn't
1: reveal exactly what happened, but he calls it an extinction event. An extinction event? He explains it could be psychological or it could be physical, and for him, it was physical.
0: Remember when uh, Apple, weren't speaking, we were talking about Apple earlier. Remember when yeah. iTunes, they forced everyone to
2: listen to U2?
1: They gave them that free U2 album <laughs> that automatically downloaded on your phone without you asking. Instantly forcing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Here's a gift of a free U2 album that it's you can't forcing. not download.
0: <laughs> because I mean, when I was when I was in Dallas, uh, my brother, you know, he'd get in his car and listen to music through his iPhone. And wow, every, how unique. And every time... He would turn on the car to play music this u2 (laughs) song would come
1: on because i think the first song on the record too was like first alphabetically it's like when you name a business a a a a a something (laughs) so it's first in the phone book he's like i don't
0: want to listen to this song why is this song the one that comes on
1: (laughs) congratulations you're getting a u2 album whether you want it or not well apparently he's gonna be
0: extinct anyways according to him oh what a strange story all right, so I want to read this piece from the National Review in this segment. Very controversial. I know a lot of you will have a take on this. Uh, he says, can America survive as a post-Christian nation? Some really good stuff here, and we'll talk about that and have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News ready, 1 WFLA. So this story really fascinated me because, you know, at this time, and we did it yesterday, at the end of the year, there's always these stories of uh, what were the biggest news stories, what were the big best movies of the year, what were the most underreported stories of the year, and so on and so forth. But then I'm, I'm going through the National Review, and David French, who writes in the National Review a lot, and I just stumble upon this headline, and I think what he says here makes a lot of sense. He asks a question in the headline, he says can America survive as a post-Christian nation? This is what he means by that. He says, if I had to pick one of the most underappreciated and underreported stories of 2017, it would be that a post-Christian America is a more vicious America and that the triumph of secularists is rendering America more polarized, not less." not less. Remove from the public square biblical um you know saying such as love your enemies and the hatred has more room to grow. When the fruits of the spirit love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control wither then the culture is far more coarse. He says um he talks about that. A lot of people have written about this. He says, in spite of the alarms that this is happening, much of the elite media celebrates religious decline without seriously and realistically grappling with its consequences. There is so much underlying ignorance of and hostility towards Orthodox Christianity and elite media circles that I fear they're still trapped in the false belief that less Christianity means a better America. Says much of this ignorance and hostility is rooted in the idea that Christianity itself is the source of contemporary cultural conflict. Says in reality, a propensity towards division and conflict is deeply embedded in human nature. This is exactly right. If you read history and read the history of the world, he read history of human civilization. Conflict was about a lot more than Christianity. And frankly, conflict was about a lot more than religion. To act like if you get rid of religion in society, or if you get rid of Christianity in America, that'll end most of the conflict is absurd. He says tribalism reigns in the human heart. Religious differences can of course be a source of conflict, but a common Judeo-Christian culture also serves the invaluable purpose of providing rules and norms for controlling that conflict and creating the conditions for reconciliation. And there's more I'm going to read here in a sec, but I want to know, do you agree with him? He's saying that a lot of our polarization, a lot of our viciousness, our hatred towards one another in society of today, a lot of that comes from the fact that we are becoming a post-Christian nation, that the Judeo-Christian ethic is going away. And as a result of that, we are becoming more hateful towards one another. Do you agree with that? 407 916 You can text to 23680. And do you think that it's inevitable that we will become more and more a post-Christian nation? you can text the 23680 standard message and data rates apply i'm going to talk more about this next it is 819 on good morning orlando and uh, this is yaffe filling in for bud i got one uh, request on the text line to uh, please link the story i'm talking about the national review story can america survive as a post-christian nation They want me to link the story to my Facebook page. You can send me a friend request on Facebook. uh, And what I'll do is there's video. We're on Facebook Live right now on WFLA and on my Facebook page. What I'll do is I'll link the story in the comment section of that video so you can check it out. I'm getting a bunch of texts on this because I'm reading the article here from David French of the National Review. And he's asking the question, can America survive as a post-Christian nation? He believes that this country has become more polarized and there's more hatred now because we are going away from our Judeo-Christian ethic, because we are going away from God, because we don't have that underlying morality anymore that used to be a common foundation for this country. And because of that, we're entering a new morality, which people kind of just invent their own morality, Uh, Got some textures weighing in on this. One person says, we will not survive as a non-Christian nation. God clearly stated in the Bible, uh, without me, you are nothing. Another person says, I agree that we are living more and more as a non-Christian country. I do think USA can survive as a post-Christian country, but it won't be the country we have grown to respect and love. I I agree with these, uh, these textures, by the way. I think we will survive, but like the last texture says, but we will change a lot. It'll be very different. It'll be a very different country. He continues on in the piece here. He talks about how he says younger millennial activists, such as the leaders of Black Lives Matter, are much less likely to make explicit religious appeals and increasingly operate outside of the church. Part of this is the natural byproduct of the fact that today's young Americans attend church far less frequently than their parents or grandparents did. In addition, explicitly religious appeals have less purchase in a society that increasingly lacks a common set of religious views. Uh, He says, says, some would argue that American Christian culture is being replaced by a separate feel-good faith called moralistic therapeutic deism, a vague belief that while God exists, He's not particularly involved in human affairs and mainly wants people to be nice and happy. It's a common moral code that applies to the conduct of one's personal affairs. But he says here, he says it's utterly inadequate, however, when it comes to addressing real human conflict and substantial cultural clashes. It provides no systematic moral worldview, and it ultimately leaves judgment of right and wrong to the individual conscience. I could not agree with that even more. When you take away the common religious foundation, when you take away those common values, then it's just, everything's just up to the individual conscience and it's different depending on who you are. So we can't agree on anything. It's just all about what, what feels good. Well, sometimes what feels good is not good for society. He said, he says, he continues on here. He says, in fact, it's becoming plain that even some of our churches are becoming less Chris, you know, Christ centered. It's a simple fact that our pews have long been filled with non-believers. Christ himself noted that that would happen. Um, So they say, thus the rise of ends justifies the means, political combat, and the stunning lack of faith that motivated so many self-described evangelicals' belief that the church itself faced moral danger in the 2016 presidential election. He says, when a nation lacks a common moral language and common religious culture, It frequently devolves into tribalism. Progressives have long seemed to assume that as Christianity receded, their own worldview would advance. Um, Yet America has always been different than Europe, and post-Christian America will evolve in its own distinct way with right and left, urban and rural, filling the moral and spiritual vacuum, often in ways that their cultural competitors view with loathing and contempt. So I think he makes a lot of sense here. When you take away that moral foundation of a society, and I've talked about it before, it's hard to even pinpoint what we agree on as a society anymore. But when you take that uh, Christian, Judeo-Christian ethic, I think it's going to have a lot of problems. And I think it is partly responsible for a lot of the hate, a lot of the vitriol, a lot of the viciousness that you see against one another, a lot of the division that's out there. Um, One person texted, said, Yes, today, more than ever, people are not going to church and look at what is on TV. The bad language and sexual immorality is practically on every channel. When I was growing up, it would be unheard of. So very interesting stuff to think about. I'll post this piece on the comment section of the video. You can check out the video. Uh, uh, Just like the WFLA Orlando Facebook page or send me a friend request at Michael Yaffe. Tom Alexander is going to... Is going to update us on the latest news. He's in the studio with me. It is eight twenty nine, and good morning, Orlando. So Tom is joining me in the studio right now. He's going to give us the latest news. Uh, what do you got for us, Tom?
1: Well, Yaffe, President Donald Trump is ending twenty seventeen with a swipe at global warming. While on vacation here in Florida, the president tweeted Thursday about the winter storm that could pound the East Coast on New Year's Eve. He wrote that, quote, perhaps we could use a little of that good old global warming, end quote. The president did not mention that there's a difference between day-to-day local weather and global climate change, which refers to the average temperature of the whole planet over a long period of time. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Before you grab that person to kiss when the clock strikes midnight New Year's Eve, doctors want you to be aware of what you might be in for. Studies have shown that during an intimate kiss of 10 seconds, 80 million bacteria are communicated (laughs) between the two kissers on average. This year, those bacteria include infectious mononucleosis, known also as the kissing disease, cold sores or fever blisters caused by the herpes virus, and the flu virus are also potential risks you could face when you lock lips with someone New Year's Eve.
0: Oh, um, How romantic. Thanks, Thanks for that. Thank you for <laughs> yeah. that. Great. Appreciate it. I guess it. the moral
1: here is just don't go grabbing any randoms on New Year's Eve. I mean,
0: I'm single anyway, so, you know, I do have to worry Eve about it. New Year's is
1: a great
2: evening to go mingle, Mike.
0: Oh, yeah, true.
2: <laughs> go, go mingle with Mike.
0: It just <laughs> has a nice flow to it.
1: <laughs> okay, you guys ever have the desire to be a merman? Or if anyone out there has ever <laughs> no, wanted I to be a mermaid, I
0: can I can safely say no. I no, never had that desire. Never I, never that, wanted to. That,
1: no. that might be a on no the tails for me and, too.
0: No, I don't think so. Well, no.
1: if you did, or people who do, have their chance. Weeki Springs State Park in Hernando County is holding auditions January 13th for its world famous mermaid squad. They're right now seventeen. Oh, world
0: famous mermaid squad. Oh huh? yeah.
1: Have you never heard of Weeki The state park. They have a mermaid show underwater with live. Wait, what's I have it called? Not Mermaids. Weeki Wachee Springs Wait, State Park.
0: Stop. Him, Mike. Really,
1: really, we're gonna do this.
2: <laughs> that's in middle a school. fun. That's a fun word. I mean, come on. Be, the, tell
0: us more. That actually
2: sounds
1: like a good time, though. For real. It's I. I grew up not far from there, and we took a field trip there in middle school. It's uh, it's interesting.
0: So did you ever want to be a mermaid? I
1: never did. No, no, I never did. I actually have met a couple of former ones, though. Um, they have 17 performing mermaids right now and three princes. Uh, the mermaids there perform underwater all year round because the water in the spring is 72 degrees. Um, they oh. expect at least 50 women to come for the first round of auditions where you have to swim 300 yards and tread water for up to 15 minutes.
0: I feel like it would be kind of hard to swim in the mermaid costume. Yeah, I mean, costume. the whole
1: show, they spend underwater in the costume. Like, they, huh. you know, they pause to take oxygen here and there, but they're underwater for the whole show.
0: Yeah, nobody wants to see me in a mermaid costume. <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: And one of the longest careers in show business is over. Actress Rose Marie died yesterday in California at the age of 94. She's best known for her role as Sally Rogers in the classic TV comedy The Dick Van Dyke Show, but began as a child performer in vaudeville. Finally, a bit of sports news, yes. which I had to mention because the yes, three of you us, did. the UCF Knights are getting ready for their big bowl matchup on New Year's Day. The twelfth-ranked Knights take on seventh-ranked Auburn in the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Kickoff is set for twelve thirty p.m. Monday.
0: Okay, so you're like you're like an expert on. UCF <sighs> I football. wouldn't I
1: wouldn't go that far, but okay, I watch a lot.
0: Uh, it just I don't know. I've heard <laughs> you talk about it on the show a few times, and I'm always like amazed at how much you know. So. Tell me who you think's going to win and why.
1: Well, you asked me this the other day. I think I think UCF wins, but yes. I think it's very close. I think it co- I think it's a high scoring game that comes down to the wire, kind of like the conference title game and the game against USF earlier this year. Do you think uh,
0: the coach factor because Scott Frost will be his last game coaching?
1: I think I think the the players actually will get up for that. Like they'll they'll be excited to try and close out this year, and and he'll he, he and his staff will be excited to try and you know finish off the undefeated season they're the only undefeated team left in the country right so you know it's 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 a huge game for them and it's a big deal if you finish with no losses
0: so if they beat auburn which is a really good team big program yeah do you think, I mean, what do you think that says about the conference? And-
1: well, here's as a, as a fan of a mid-major in a non-Power 5 conference like UCF, I am a rooter of college football chaos in the playoffs. Oh, okay. <laughs> so my, my dream scenario is Alabama, who did not win its conference, wins the national championship. Their only loss is to Auburn. And then UCF beats Auburn and is undefeated.
0: That would be something. That and would then say a lot. You'll
1: have a lot of people talking at the end of the year that well, here's this undefeated yep. team that beat the only team that beat the champ, and they don't get a shot at yeah the playoffs for or the anything. Title. Right?
0: It's crazy. So what was their ranking?
1: Uh, they ended up twelve. The committee ranked them twelve. Twelve. Not even in the top ten. No, no. There are teams. Plenty of teams with two losses ahead of them.
0: Do you agree with that? No. No, I don't don't
1: think they, I mean, I don't necessarily believe they should have been in the playoff based on their schedule, but I mean, if you're undefeated, you should at least be in the top 10.
0: Uh, I would think so. I mean,
1: especially if you're the only undefeated team in the country.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. Deal. So, but you think they're going to win? I
1: I do, it's but I, definitely I it's going to be toughest. one of those like give me a heart attack type games.
0: <laughs> well, like the last two games. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like I'm
1: concerned I'm going to throw something at my television. That's and break it and have to buy a new one on January 2nd. Oh,
0: yeah. well, I think I agree with you. I think they'll win. I'm going to say they win by 7.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: So, Mike, do you have any predictions in there? Oh. Uh, it's gonna uh, be all uh, night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> UCF fights on nice. I've already started suiting up. I got my UCF. Yeah, you hat got on, I, I, I got a, I got a UCF shirt You've on. You've
1: worn a UCF shirt almost every day this week. He so. does that. I know. Which I appreciate. I like it. I like it.
0: Yeah. What can I say? I'm a fan. <laughs>
1: That's right. All right. Thanks, all
0: right. Tom. Thanks, I appreciate yeah. you uh, filling in for Deb this week, and I hope you I hope you have a happy new year.
1: Yeah, you too. You too. It's been fun.
0: Yep. Um. Okay, so we have Sound Judgment. Speaking of fun, we have Sound Judgment coming up in the next segment. 407-916-5400. If you want to play for your chance to win a great prize, it's another Christmas movie edition of Sound Judgment.
2: Got to get him in while we still can. Yes,
0: exactly right. The last chance we'll have to do it. So 407-916-5400. If you want to play Sound Judgment And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio, 102.5 WFLA. And it is time for the Sound Judgment game once again. We have a Christmas movie edition of Sound Judgment. That's what we've been doing all week. And my favorite Christmas movie of all time is what we're going to be talking about. But before we go to the game, Stephanie is going to tell us what you can win.
5: That's right. So today we have a
3: fabulous pair of tickets to Monster Jam on Saturday. January 20th, 2018, at Camping World Stadium. Monster Jam is fun for the whole family and features some of the most recognizable trucks in the world, including Grave Digger, Max D, Monster Mutt, and more. Tickets start at $15. Visit 1025wfla.com, keyword tick, or events, for more info.
0: So, yes, so that's a great prize, Monster Jam, always a lot of fun. So, today, we're going to talk about my favorite Christmas movie, which is Die Hard. Yes, Die Hard Yes, it's a Christmas movie The one with Bruce Willis I'm going to play a clip here That proves that it's a Christmas movie And then I want you to use your sound judgment To tell me what year that movie came out Play the clip for me, Mike Now I have a machine gun Oh, ho. So if you don't remember that part, um, the the villain there, it, one of the villains uh, was killed, I guess. And he has a Santa hat on. And the Bruce Willis character says, now I have a machine gun. He writes it on the shirt. Ho, ho, ho. See, that's Christmas. You have the Santa Claus hat. You have the ho, ho, ho at the end of it. I mean, come on. That's... All, that's uh, you, can't, you can't argue. It's a Christmas movie now. All right, so I want you to use your sound judgment to tell me what year did the movie Die Hard come out? What year did it come out? Let's go to line two. Line two, what year did Die Hard come out?
4: Ooh, Stab the Dark, 92.
0: No, not a bad guess, not a bad guess, but uh, not 1992. Let's go to line three. Line three, what year did Die Hard come out?
4: Nineteen
7: ninety
0: nope nope not a bad guess either but no not 1990 let's go to line four line four what year did die hard come out
7: 88
0: that is exactly right 1988 so don't you agree with me that it's a christmas movie the best yes. christmas movie yes it's the best one <laughs> see, see you just t- give him
2: my tickets it's <laughs> awesome
0: <laughs> you can tell he wants the prize all right what's your name where are you calling from
2: uh,
4: Vic calling from
0: Orlando. Uh, what was your first name? I'm sorry. Vic. Mick? Yep. All right, Mick. You excited about the Monster Jam tickets?
4: Yes.
0: All right. Well, uh, I'll put you on hold, and Stephanie will tell you how Happy you can... Happy New Year to you guys. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year to you as well. Are you doing anything fun for New Year's?
4: Uh, nothing much, usual.
0: Say that again? Nothing much. Just Not... usual friends and family. Oh okay. I mean that that's probably what I'll be doing. So all right, I'll put you on hold and Stephanie will tell you how you can get those tickets and congratulations. Oh, you weren't ready, Mike? With the jingle? No jingle today? Oh, I thought maybe you forgot.
2: Just keeping you on edge, that's all. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, I thought maybe it was over. I thought maybe the, the jingle will
2: never die.
0: <laughs> so, what's really funny too, is Jake Tapper asked uh, one of the the screenwriters of Die Hard uh, if it was a if he considered it a Christmas movie, Stephen E. D'Souza, and he he said yes. The screenwriter of Die Hard said yes, and he put hashtag Die Hard is a Christmas movie. There you go. I mean, th- there's no debate now.
2: There isn't.
0: It is a Christmas movie. It's the best one, and I have not watched it yet this season. I need to watch it. I have to. I yeah. ha- I own like. Well, all you just of them.
2: said that it's playing around town today, right? Yeah, I googled Die Hard,
0: and it's playing in a bunch of theaters today. I don't know why today. It's not any other day, but well, actually, no, it's not today. It's playing Sunday. It's playing in a bunch of theaters Sunday on New Year's Eve. Is it like a New Year's Eve tradition? I'm not aware of to go watch Die Hard.
2: If it's not, it needs to be.
0: It sounds. It sounds like it. Such such a great movie. Such a great. I have. Can you do the accent of uh, the villain? No. I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. All right, we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1 and 2, 5, WFO. And if you've ever listened to me, you know that I'm very skeptical of the whole global warming thing. Not that there hasn't been some warming, but that man-made man is the only cause and that we need giant government intervention to prevent... You know, the planet from dying. So I don't really blame Trump necessarily for doing this because if there was a heat wave, just like when there was a hurricane, just like when there was the fires, you had people come out and say, well, that's because of global warming. So now when there is a cold snap, well, I guess they'll say that's because of global warming too. But when Trump says that's proof, there's not oh, there's everyone's upset. Everything po- proves global warming it seems like. If there's fires it does, if there's no fires it does, if there's a heat wave it does, if it's cold it does. It's really never made any sense to me. All right. So I've um I've been looking up I've been looking up some of the things that cities drop on New Year's Eve. Have you ever like gone to one of these events?
2: Like? Uh, I've been to the one here uh, in, Orlando. In, in Orlando, the Orange. I've been to Sarasota. Apparently, they do an
0: Orange in Miami as well.
2: Yes, it's a big one here in Florida, as you can imagine. Yeah, uh, but I'm originally from Sarasota. They drop a pineapple there every year. That one's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. How
0: about you? So no, I usually just watch the ball drop somewhere. Lame. I'm, I know. I need to. I need to go. I want. I mean, they have some really good ones. So in Memphis, what do you think they drop in Memphis?
2: Ooh, Memphis. I'm gonna say a whiskey bottle. That would be interesting. No, they drop a guitar. That makes sense. Yeah, I would think see. Nashville would drop a guitar.
0: Yeah, I don't know what Nashville does. It's not on the list. I have to look that up. Uh, so in Raleigh, North Carolina, they drop a giant acorn. I wish you could like get. I wish you could like do something where you could like stream all of them at the same time. Someone needs to create that where you could go online. Yeah, and stream all, of, all the, of the crazy ones drop at the same time. That would time. be pretty cool. Although I guess it would be different times because the time
2: zones. Well, you're going by, zone by zone.
0: Yeah, zone by zone.
2: What I think we should have That'd here awesome. in Orlando, being the tourist capital, being the amusement park capital. Mickey ears, Mickey ears. No, it needs to be a ride. <laughs> you should be able to ride the ball.
0: Oh, that's a good Wouldn't one. Wouldn't that be fun? And then there's a little sign that says you have to be this tall. Yeah.
2: For- <laughs> and yes, you can put Mickey ears on it if you want.
0: Well, they are going to build that roller. They were supposed to build that world's tallest roller coaster here. Yeah. What happened with that? I have no idea. Maybe they could drop that.
2: <laughs> just, don't, just don't drop people.
0: <laughs> um, in uh, Bermuda, they drop a giant onion. And we talked about Mobile, Alabama. They drop an electric moon pie. Now, we had someone because in what, Bethlehem, uh, what is it, Pennsylvania? Yeah. They dropped the giant peep. Which is that Easter candy, I guess, like that marshmallow candy thing. And we had a texter who, like, is an expert on this. apparently. there. All about why they do it. I mean, let's let's see what he said here. I guess, yeah, I guess he says marshmallow peeps are born or manufactured at Just Born Inc. Incorporated in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. There's a lot of hometown pride with having an international product made there. So apparently, it's like a
2: huge deal there. That's awesome. I mean. I'm not the biggest Peep fan, but I like them. And to see that much pride in the community that they drop a giant one, I think it'd be, I don't know. It's, I think it'd cool. be a great time.
0: In Maine, they drop a giant clam.
2: So that yeah, makes sense.
0: <laughs> I want to see, I want to see something that streams them all at the same time. I think
2: we need to work on that.
0: <laughs> I <think> that was, <laughs> Next well, year. Well, it's been a great year behind the microphone and behind the board for a lot of the year for good morning, Orlando. I want to wish everyone a happy and safe new year. But you have to join us again next week right after for 2018 because I guarantee you there will be plenty to talk about. And I'll end the show and I'll end the year just like Bud does. God bless you and God bless America. Catch you next time.